My first big aha regarding impermanence, the only constant in our lives, came very early in mine. I was a carefree child playing with marbles, chasing after amazingly beautiful butterflies, hypnotized by the ants' formations, each carrying their little bundles on their backs to their burrows. At the time, my mother and I were living in a rural health outpost where she was the sole health provider, healthcare provider. One morning, when, as usual, I was playing outside, there came this young mother rushing with a baby in her arms, crying, supplicating to see my mother. This is very sad for me. With a look at the baby, my mother knew there was no hope. In fact, the baby died even before we went inside the dispensary. In a flash, I saw the lifeless little body, which seconds before had been breathing, and witnessed both the agonizing wailing of the desperate mother and the helplessness and sadness in my mother's face. In my child's mind, somehow, I understood the fragility of life, the deep sorrow that accompanies death, and the human impotence to reverse the effects of terminal conditions. Many years later, I learned that from the time immemorial, faced with the changeability and shortness of life, and with all the pain inherent in the human condition, philosophers and religious people have searched for the causes of human suffering and for ways to free us from them. Perhaps the most well-known of the seekers, Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha or the Enlightened One, found that the reason for the suffering of the world was attachment to desire, also the craving for individual fulfillment. Now, if attachment and craving are the reasons for suffering, then detachment, surrender, and letting go should free us from suffering. A modern influential teacher, Achan Shah, founder of monasteries in the Thai tradition, who died in 1992, tells us that through detachment and surrender, we can attain complete peace and freedom. He said, do everything with a mind that lets go. Do not expect any praise or reward. If you let go a little, you will have a little peace. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of peace. If you let go completely, you will know complete peace and freedom. Your struggles with the world will have come to an end. What an amazing simplicity and wisdom. And what a hopeful and exciting promise. And yet, so much of our potential is wasted because of the way we allow ourselves to become prisoners inside our own bodies, minds, and homes. Often, self-imprisonment and isolation are born out of the fear of the new and different, and out of fear to connect in a more intimate way with those around us. Attachment and clinging to our own ideas can become the imprisonment of the mind. 
This is not only sad for the waste this represents, but could lead to very dangerous situations. We all have seen throughout history how a powerful fundament, a, a few powerful fundamentalists, be they religious or political, supported by mindless followers, have oppressed and even tried to destroy entire ethnic groups that they consider their worthless enemies. Even in these last decades, in the 21st century, we still learn every day of the horror or mass incarceration of the young and old women, of elimination of rights so valiantly won, of horrendous walls erected between neighbors, of millions of children living and dying in poverty, and all of this and more in this the richest and best country in the world. So much wrong that could be righted if only the will and the diligence to do so will overcome the complacence and the fear of going against the narrow-minded forces that keep leaders in our nation's capital and in some states from working diligently to advance social justice. Detaching, surrendering, and letting go. These are difficult spiritual and psychological paths to follow as nation as well as individuals. National egos, egos, and personal egos tend to tenaciously cling to anything that can bring power, pride, and comfort. The paradoxical aspects of letting go are fascinating, though. We all have heard and perhaps repeated the observation that the more we give, the more we receive. Likewise, it is a tested and sound truth that happened to me over and over and over and to many people I know, that the more we detach from the results, the more the things we need to succeed come to us and the more connected we become with the universe. One of the great paradoxes of human attitude is how impossible we find it to surrender to the mystery, to the spirit of life, and how easily, almost without thinking, we surrender our power, our pride, and often our lives to total strangers. Yet, the only way to function in this world is to let go, trust, and surrender to other fellow humans at almost every step. Whenever we take a plane, aren't we totally surrendering our lives to the ability and integrity of the crew? When we go for a surgical procedure, particularly with total anesthesia, aren't we letting go and surrendering our egos and our, and our survival to the hands of the hospital team? Don't we let go and surrender our faith and our lives when we take a taxi in a city where we barely, barely can speak the language? Paradoxically, we are unable to properly surrender when the driver is our husband or wife or son or daughter. Have not we ruined trips, I had done it, because of our inability to trust the person that having our best interest in mind was driving the family car or the van? Great opportunities to detach and to surrender to what is, to the unknown, present themselves when tragedy visits us personally. Perhaps one of the most difficult situations 
is to witness members of our family or dear friends engage in addictive and destructive behavior. Nothing can be more painful than wanting to rescue them from their own doing, knowing that any intervention on our part, no matter how loving and well-intentioned, is going to be perceived as meddling and as taking control over their lives. Believe me, I've been there three times. And yet, surrendering, letting go of our need to rescue those unable to rescue themselves and unable to accept our help is one of the hardest things a human can accomplish. The sense of helplessness and of inadequacy can be maddening. Still, to continue just as witness, witness or worse yet, Enabling a destructive behavior is to become an accomplice and a facilitator of the very destruction we want to see end. What an act of wise balance is required to know when to intervene and with what strength, and when to leave things alone and surrender our guilt and desire to control. Detachment and letting go in normal times require effort and sacrifice. In times of tragedy, when we lose a parent, spouse, partner, or a child to death, or when we lose our home, our job, or a treasured relationship, or even when we lose a beloved pet or an object dear to us, surrendering and letting go requires an immense amount of courage. We all know how easily pain, anger, despair, and any other attendant feelings could paralyze and even destroy us if we are not alert and willing to overcome them. Voluntary surrender, surrender in the face of tragedy, loss, and deep hurt also demands an immense amount of trust. Trust that if we do whatever is in our power to improve a situation, to correct a wrong, to forgive those who cause us hurt, to love those who reject us, life will continue growing, growing in us. Not just any kind of life, a much better life, more vibrantly and consciously lived, more deeply enjoyed and appreciated. Realizing that all things are impermanent, that compared to eternity, all pain, hurts, and disappointments last but the speck of time, can help us to be patient, put things in perspective, and attain peace and resolution, sometimes under even dire circumstances. For many of us, though, knowing when and what to let go of, and when and what to hold onto, becomes a great dilemma and a challenging balancing exercise. Rumi, the foremost 13th century philosopher and poet, illustrates the joy of letting go as well as the devastating effect of rigidity and attachment in the following excerpt of his poem, Bird Wings. Your grief for what you've lost leaves a mirror up where you are bravely working. Expecting the worst, you look and instead, here is the joyful face you, wanted, you had wanted to see. Your hand opens and closes, and open and closes. If it were always a fist, or always stretched open, 
you will be paralyzed. Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding. The two as beautifully balanced and coordinated as bird wings. Balance in opening our beings to receive and to share in the bounty of the generous and inexhaustible universe. And balance in closing our minds and hearts to potential harm on the one hand and to retain wisdom and compassion on the other. Your grief for what you'd be You've lost lifts a mirror up to where you are bravely working, expecting the words you look, and instead, here is the joyful face you've been wanting to see. How sad and incomprehensible to knowingly cling to the past, to prefer the cocoon of the familiar immobilizing comfort, to let fear and inertia, in this case, another word for a spiritual laziness, to imprison us. How wasteful to see ourselves all of a sudden isolated because little by little we grew complacent, attached and clinging to the known even if it hurts us and even if it hurts others. What constraint when instead of trusting that when our grief for what we lost lifts a mirror, we will see the joyful face we've been wanting to see we continue expecting to see the same face, gripped by fear and attachment to what never can be restored and brought back. We have been reflecting on different aspects of detachment, surrendering, and letting go. Perhaps you are wondering in whom should we trust? To whom should we surrender our thoughts and the results of our labors? For millennia, humans have tried to answer these same questions. Here are some of the most popular and enduring answers. If we were Buddhist of the Nichiren Daishonin stream, we would probably recite over and over one of the most common mantras in the Buddhist repertoire, Nen Myongo Renge Kyo, Nen Myongo Renge Kyo. One of the interpretations of this mantra is, I recognize that I am part of this universe, and I dedicate myself to the infinite expansion of which I am a part. Another interpretation is, I surrender to the universal intelligence. If we were Christians, we will surrender to the Creator and Savior, saying, your will be done, not mine. If Muslims, we will recite the same words of surrender, but in this case, to Allah. Now, if we were Hindus, we will recite the mantra, O Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. If we were true humanists, our egos will surrender to the equal love for all people, as Maharshi explained in the dialogue that Mike and Linda read for us. Then, when we attain that universal love, as Maharshi said, we will feel that the whole universe is our home. The ultimate level of detachment, surrendering, and letting go would be to yield, to lose ourselves in the infinite ocean of love. That ocean comprises not only humans, but any being, anything that exists in our vast and fathomable universe. 
the ultimate surrender, the sweet surrender of the heart and mind will occur when one is able to think and act in complete harmony with the universe, with our ultimate reality. Attaining peace and freedom by surrendering to what is. Isn't this a most desirable vision for us Unitarian Universalists? May our lives be in balance as we open and close our minds and hearts, guided by our internal wellspring of wisdom and compassion. May all of us be able to consciously grow into that harmony that brings peace, love, and joy. And may we be free anywhere and anytime that the whole universe is our home. Let it be so. I want to share with you a powerful tool. It's, it's like a meditation for letting go. From the moment I learned it at Kripalo, I just had practiced it for years and years, and it had helped me. So I wanted to share that with you. So in preparation to apply this tool today, let us breathe deeply. Let's sit comfortably. Let's breathe deeply some more. And now bring your attention to your minds and observe what thoughts are present there. Switching the attention to your hearts, observe that what feelings are present also there. Now, choose a predominant thought or feeling that you want to let go of, or at least to start letting go of now. In my case, I'm working on letting go of a hurt cause, but something that was said about me that is not true. So I am letting go in the embrace of truth. If somebody feels unloved, or rejected, maybe you want to let it go in the embrace of love, so you get the idea. That's what we are feeling that we need to let go, we are going to let it go in the opposite. And the chance goes like this. Please repeat after me. Let it go in the embrace of truth. This is in my case, I'm letting go in the embrace of truth. So you be ready with your word if you want us to chant with you. So, truth again. Let it go in the embrace of truth. Let it go in the embrace of truth. Let it go in the embrace of truth. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Give me a word. Love. Let it go in the embrace of love. Let it go in the embrace of love. Let 
let it go. Another one. Hope. Let it go in the embrace of hope. Let it go in the embrace of hope. Let it go in the embrace of hope. Let it go, let it go. Let it go in the embrace of trust. Let it go in the embrace of trust. Let it go in the embrace of trust. Let it go. Go, let it go once more. Peace, let it go in the embrace of peace. Let it go in the embrace of peace. Let Just rest for a moment in silence. 